Jake, we are back for week three. Uh, week two went well. Very well. Very well. Um, um, I don't know what to say other than just it went well. Uh, uh, totals, uh, the A grade totals went 4-0. Uh, the B grade totals went 3-0. So um, the totals yeah, the left and right. Yeah, the totals that we gave out on show went two and zero. So the recommend A plus O totals went five and zero, which is pretty good. Uh, on the sides, uh, we went two and one on the A grade sides, and uh, we're five and four on the A grade sides with a nice little thirty eight percent ROI because we're mostly taking underdogs on these, and the favorite taking are pretty short. Uh, I always like to default to the underdogs, lean that direction. Sometimes it doesn't happen in baseball this year. We've played a few more favorites. Uh, than I like, and thankfully we've we've won more to keep that up. But I, I kind of like taking these dogs where you're getting plus odds on 50-50 games. Football is weird, sports are weird, humans are weird, right? And uh, that's really paid off for us. Um, combined, if you've taken the A-grade plays plus the show plays uh, overall for the season, 15, 9, and 1 with a 29% ROI on the season uh, last week, 8 and 2. Uh you know, no pressure on you to repeat this performance because we talk about the anger plays, but then you're going to be able to. So uh, uh, hopefully you, you, you can continue the magic of uh, picking the right B and C grade plays to add to the A grade plays that we love. Yeah, I'm, I'm just sad we can't go back to Atlanta this week because, I mean, Atlanta at home, Desmond Ritter hasn't lost a home game since, I think, high school. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did really well at, at Cincinnati for sure. Um, that was an impressive win against uh, – Green Bay this last weekend in a, in a game that was uh, slated to be a toss-up and uh, model thought it was going to be a toss-up as well. And it came down to the end. That was a good one. But uh, I think the, I think the benefit actually of week one playing Atlanta was less about playing Atlanta at home and more about fading Carolina, uh, which we will be talking about later in the show. So don't want to spoil that, but, but we will be talking about, uh, I think the reason we won that week one Atlanta pick and that was because their opponent is truly terrible. Um, just as a reminder for everyone, we have Seattle, one more time. You're making us look smart. Seattle making us look smart. The lions are now up to 16th, uh, in sideline ratings. So they're climbing on up the Jaguars or not. We'll talk about the Jaguars later. Um, you know, we're still kind of taking a stance on a couple teams. We'll talk about those teams. I've, I've mentioned this on Discord, and, and sometimes I, I don't do a great job. I'm not a salesman. I'm not an advertisement on a marketer. Sometimes I do a bad job communicating these things. But just as a reminder, you know, the, the stance of the model stake, we're not going to hit every single one of them. We're just going to hope to hit more than we miss. And that's what's happened through the history of, of my modeling of these things is we've we, we've taken some stances on some teams and kind of constantly backed and faded certain teams. And we're not saying that we're going to go 100% on those stances. I could be completely wrong on Jacksonville, but – we're going to fade Jacksonville most weeks and we're going to have other stances we've been taking and uh, it works more than it doesn't. Um, and so that's kind of the idea of this is we're not trying to say, I, I'm not trying to say I know everything. We're just trying to say what we're picking up in the model, deviating from the market. Jake, I'm curious your thoughts on this. We haven't talked about this. So I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. It feels to me personally, like there's a little bit of group think that happens in the NFL. And I don't know if that's the case with the sharpest, uh, betters, the, the big money groups out there, the ones that are all act like hedge funds, you know, and we know those exist. I'm not part of one of those, but I don't know if they do that as much either, but it, it kind of feels in the NFL, like, you know, in college football, kind of the same thing where you kind of get some opinions from some people and everybody just kind of parrots the same opinions. And so if you don't have that same opinion, you'll look kind of like you're out alone. And, and I'm looking at things going, do, do people really think, 
these things like the Jaguars are good, or is it just they made the playoffs last year and they heard somebody say something that they like them and everyone's just kind of biting them? That's what it feels like to me because I'm like, I don't know how you're getting these opinions unless you're just listening to the same sources. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's something that in football in general, it's very easy because you've got weeks in between games and football's the biggest money maker, so everybody's willing to talk about it. So you just end up hearing the same opinions over and over and over, and that just makes you end up thinking it's true kind of thing. And I mean, it's kind of like preseason rankings for in uh, the college football. In college. I mean, it's just they're bad. I mean, you had Tennessee up there inside the top ten. That's just not. That's not good. Uh, but uh, it's just, and, and you as a Tennessee fan were down on day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, but I've never felt safer about that underpick. Uh, but it's yeah. just. I think, like I said, there's just so much time where they're trying to fill dead air with football stuff and you just have seven different people saying the same opinion and it just kind of gets assumed to be true. And did it, it feels, and I, I could be wrong on this, but it, it did it feels like you have some people out there and everyone knows who they are, the contrarian people who I think are popular because that's what they do, but it almost feels like they're contrarian to be contrarian rather than... I mean, there's certain things that I would hear on... The talk shows and the NFL the pregame shows, whatever, I'd be like, absolutely, completely agree with that. And there's things here, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't agree with that. And, it, and that's the thing. You should be able to say I agree with some of it and disagree with some of it, but it feels like there's a lot of agreements and a lot of things, and then the people who disagree are just going to be – they're just disagreeing with everything because that's just their brand. Uh, and I don't know. It, it, it's like there's just not a lot of free thinking out there, and, and I take a little bit of criticism for it, but and, you know, it works. it's worked out so far, and hopefully it will continue to work out for us where – uh, again, we have a player-based model that tracks historical data on these players, um, you know, updates. And, and, and some of these rankings shift around a lot just based off of injuries. Uh, some of these key guys getting injured, moving teams up and down. And sometimes an injury happens, it doesn't affect much because the backup's right? the benefit of a player-based model. Uh, so hopefully we can uh, continue our winning ways. Uh, and so we'll get right to it here Thursday night. Jake, you got us the, the winner last week in the Thursday night game. Uh, we're going to be looking for the same – um, you know, recipe here because I don't think there's a great uh, mathematical edge on this game. It's it's kind of hard to to think there's going to be one. Y you know, the Niners should be favored. They're at home and they're the much better team. Uh, we'll talk about some of the better teams, but my model really has a split after five. It's kind of a jumble at the top. The top five teams I think are all kind of interchangeable, uh, and we'll talk about most of those today pretty big gap to six and then it's kind of six through 10 and some of them are interchangeable and a couple of them I'm not even sure should be there but it really gets murky after that top five Niners one of those top five teams really good the Giants are really bad Saquon Barkley you know the, the the cherry on top to that situation but you saw the Giants look really good against Arizona for a solid quarter and a half maybe two full quarters I guess maybe the whole second half but the other six quarters of football they've played have been dreadful um you see the ratings on screen. San Francisco, really good defense. And Giants, not a really good defense. And that's not really pace inflated. That's just, there's just not a lot of talent on the Giants on defense. And there is for the 49ers. 49ers offense, um, drugged down a little bit by a slower pace. Uh, still very good. Uh, number two, wide receiver tight end combination. Number five at running back, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is very good. Um, Brock Purdy, solid enough, rising in the rankings, continuing to impress. Um, you know, the issue is, should you lay a big number or not? Model says the 49ers went by an average of 12.2 points, doing a lot of money lines. This week, there's a lot of big numbers, and this is one where the money line, 
I think it's actually not the smartest play because it's really out there. Football can get weird. We're a little more comfortable laying to 10, only a C grade, kind of a high C grade. It's like a C plus pick. It doesn't quite get to that B grade value, but San Francisco minus 10, worth an investment. Jake, what are your thoughts as to why the people should lay it with the 49ers and probably lay it earlier in the week because I have to imagine this number is just going to go up. Yeah, I don't see this number going down at all. Um, like, I just, man, the defense for one. I mean, the Giants are already struggling. Anyway, it took them a half a game to figure out how to score on the Arizona Cardinals. And they're they're just a bad. mess of a franchise at the moment. Uh, and the Giants aren't any better. I mean, Daniel Jones is – I mean, I think he gets a little more criticism than he deserves, but such as the quarterback's life. But at the same time, he's never a guy that's going to go out and win you a game. He's a guy that mm-hmm. more or less – keeps you going and without Barkley to help I mean his receivers aren't great I mean Lord Jalen Hyatt was their leading receiver on two catches last week and I just I don't I mean Darren Waller is good but I mean I, I don't know how if he's going to be able to carry this team and especially against the San Francisco team that's just loaded on defense everywhere and I don't know Fantastic how you, defense. don't know how you get in the way of them and then on offense, Purdy seems to make all the right decisions. Like, I, he's just not like, I mean, he's just turning out to be a, actually a pretty good uh, football player. And a, a, pretty, a that, pretty good football player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you got guys like Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk. And then even and I, I have to say, watching Ayuk, uh, I, I was not able to watch all of week one before week two. Had I watched the 49ers game before week two, I would have absolutely put a claim on him in fantasy because that guy looks really good. Uh, he was fantastic uh, for them in week one. And I mean, they've got, like you said, they've just got so many weapons. Yeah, it's, it's loaded. And I mean, even Juwan Jennings coming off the bench when uh, I kind of went down, did, came in, did well. It's, they're just loaded everywhere. And Kittle, it's, I, I think I normally don't like winning double digits in the NFL, but this is one I feel pretty safe on. Yeah, we talked week one about the Giants, right? Daniel Jones, I've got him right now as the 14th best quarterback. We've talked a lot about Discord on this. Once you get past the top like eight or nine guys, it's just a hodgepodge between him. And I still think Jared Goff's probably pulling up the rear in that group at like mid, late 20s or something. But like 10 through 25 is like just a point apart basically in terms of this. I mean, there's just, I think by the end of the season, there might be some separation there. Cause you got some guys in there like Tua who, uh, you know, has had some concussion issues. And if he can play a full holiday season, you know, he maybe separate separates himself from that. Uh, Stafford's in that group because missing last year, but, but he, you know, and, and a couple of the interceptions, he's got a chance to separate himself. So a couple guys in that group, you know, Garoppolo is look decent enough. You know, he might, so there's some guys in that group that can separate themselves out, but there's just a lot of, I mean, who the heck knows, and Dean Jones is in that more for his legs than his arm. No one would say that he's the best thrower. He's he's Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the more extreme version because Fields is a worse passer and a better runner. But Dean Jones is is you know stronger running than passing. The Giants' sure. offensive line better at the run block than the pass block. We talked about it week one, and things went south for them really fast because the Cowboys, with that blocked field goal return for a touchdown, got them out of their game. Um, their game plan is run the ball. Daniel Jones, run the ball. I mean, and, you know, do just enough on offense 
you know, to hang in the games. That's their game plan. Well, Saquon Barkley out. Their running backs ranked 29th now. Yeah. It'll be hard to run the ball. I think it's Matt Breida that's going to get most of the carries. And, uh, yeah, and so it's just – fabulous guy, but – Sure, yeah. Like we talk about a lot of these guys. I'm sure they're good people, but right, or, or maybe they're not. I don't know. I have no idea. I've never met any of them. But uh it's it's just it's not uh a situation set for success here for the Giants. I think everyone kind of knows that. I we've been leaning towards underdogs. Uh we're gonna take a big dog later in the show. This is one where I think you want to lay it with the Niners here. I, I'm really buying into this team. They've got so many offensive weapons. Um and, and defensively they are just stout. And and I don't see the Giants having a lot of success. Um, on on offense against this 49ers defense. So we're going to lay it with the 10 models as the 49ers win by an average of 12.2 points, which takes us to Sunday. Uh, One of the Los Angeles teams versus Minnesota. This one will be the uh, Chargers and Vikings. Model thinks the Vikings should be slight favorites in this one, that they win by a little bit more than home field advantage. This is a very interesting matchup. I don't think anybody saw these two teams being 0-2 coming into this game. Um, 0-2 is not a death sentence in the NFL, but it's whatever one step shy of it is. The history of teams to start 0-2 and make the playoffs is not very good. Now, part of that is bad teams tend to start 0-2. So part of it's a little bit of that, but part of it is, you know, you start putting yourself in a hole. Um, Why are you losing? What's going wrong? You know, 0-3 becomes really tough. Um, I'm not saying that the loser of this game's out, but I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a long road ahead for either one of these teams. The extra playoff spot helps, right? That we've, we've added that, but I mean, it's going to be a tough task for the loser of this game. It should be a good contest. I think both these teams are decent enough. You know, again, teams are jumping up and down in the ratings based off the injuries. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Eckler, you know, being out, is a big deal. He's one of the best players in football, and he just adds a, a level of dynamicness to that offense. And the backups have not looked good, did not look good last game. Will that change? It's one game, right? We don't overreact to it, but you know, he might be one of those running backs that matters. We'll talk about another running back that matters in the next game as well. So that kind of you know affects things. The interesting thing here, when you look at those grades, pace for the Chargers ranks fifth for the Vikings 23rd. Two very different styles of football here. Uh, But the Chargers defense also really bad against the pass ranks 18th against the run dead last. And so the Vikings, um, you know, will they try to take advantage of that? Of course, they've got a pretty solid quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Uh, They've got some guys who can catch the ball as well. They've got good run blockers, but not a great running game. So I don't know what the Vikings plan of attack will be. They have to take advantage of a weaker Chargers defense if they want to win on the other side of the ball of course um Justin Herbert also a very good quarterback you know good set of pass catchers there as well so it should be interesting to see how it plays out um with two teams that we thought would be better than this but just haven't been uh model says 56 percent for Minnesota this game's priced like it's a coin toss this game's priced as if the Chargers are uh the better team and going on the road balances it out. I actually think the Vikings are the better team right now with who's healthy on the field. Part of that's Eckler uh, and the drop-off that that incurs for them. Jake, what are your thoughts on this A-grade play back at the Vikings here at a nice price of minus 110? I love the price at home. I think Minnesota is 
has got the better overall team. I think, like, obviously the defense is better. Like, the offense, I think, could – if they could figure out – like, I think Minnesota's one of the teams that should make it – try to make a move for Jonathan Taylor, get him out of Indianapolis. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah. look at – if you compare last year to this year – I mean, that, that's the big difference. They really don't have a running game going without Dalvin yeah. Cook. Uh, put Taylor in there, I think this team will jump up the ra- uh, the rankings because just having that threat helps out. Because like so they've, they've got they've got an O line that can that yeah. grades out really well run blocking. Just not a lot, not anything behind them to actually hand the yeah. ball to. Yeah, it's. I mean, Lord, it, I mean, if I can't ever say his last name, Matheson or whatever. Uh, mm just would hold on to the ball. I mean, and just fall forward. That would be enough because just to give Jefferson and Addison and Hawkinson a, just a chance to breathe uh, would be mm-hmm. nice. And I think that's what's going to happen. I just don't trust the Chargers defense, especially with Eckler. And, I mean, Eckler has been a little injury prone throughout his career. As Speaking as a, one of the owners of him in fantasy, it's I love it when he plays because he's great. And it seems yeah. like there's two or three games every year where he's just sitting out. And then last year coming in, I think he said he wanted to have less carries and then the backups aren't helping now. So mm-hmm. then he doesn't get that. So it's – and I feel sorry for Justin Herbert. I mean, I feel like he is a very, very good quarterback, but just yeah, feels like unlucky and can't win games. Uh, like when it comes down to it, and I think the same kind of thing happened to him at Oregon. So it might be something with him. I don't know, but I think he's very good. I just don't think that his defense is going to do enough to help him out in this game. Alexander Madison ranks as the worst starting running back according to sideline. Um, backup, not great either. So, I mean, like you said, the Vikings are hurting there. Uh, of course, the, the Chargers aren't in much better shape because Joshua Kelly ranks even worse. Than Madison is. I mean, you're talking about some very bad running backs. And of course, with how bad Kelly looked, the talk is would one of the younger guys, Dotson or Spiller, get some looks, but neither one of them grayed out well yet. Of course, they're young guys, so they don't have a ton of data. So maybe one of them comes up and it's kind of a revelation for them. But I, I think that the talk was in, in the preseason that Kelly had solidified as the backup. But after what happened last week, I, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, you know, Eckler will be out for another few weeks based off his movement to the IR. Uh, so they're going to have to figure out something or else they're going to be in by the time he comes back in such a hole, they can't dig out of it. Um, I'm not, this is definitely one of those games. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, the Vikings will for sure win the game. I, I feel like the 49ers probably will for sure win the game. I, I don't, you know, but the price is really high and weird things happen in sports. And so, you know, it's a very different setup. It's not that the Vikings we think are for sure going to win just at home. I think they're a slightly better team. Minus 110 offers a great price to invest in. If you've been following me for any time, you know that we're always thinking about the price. That's what's going to give us those long-term profits here. A little trivia for you, Jake, just because I did not realize this. I was thinking to myself today, why do I not remember Austin Eckler in college? I was like, where did he must have went to some small school? Uh, Jake, I'm going to give you, do you know, Hey, first off, do you know where he went to school? I don't know. I've got a couple of guesses, but I don't know. Well, you're, you're first off, you're wrong. Um, I'm going to actually give you the list of schools that offered him a scholarship. There are four schools that offered him a scholarship to play football. Okay. I'm going to list them in alphabetical order. Number one, Adams State. Number two, Shadron State. I might be. That's a powerhouse. Yep. Number three, Oklahoma Panhandle State. Not Oklahoma State. Oklahoma Panhandle State. And number four, <laughs> Western Colorado. 
Those are the four schools that offer MA scholarship. No, those are like actual like four year universities that are all like D two, D three, NAI. I don't know what they are. That's the four schools that offer him scholarships. That's unreal that he has turned out to be. Completely agree. It's, it is bonkers. The correct answer is Western Colorado was the school that he went to. But yes, I was like, I've not even heard of any of those four schools. Some of our viewers, I'm sure, have. They live near home or, or friends or something. It's one of those places. But uh, just a, just bonkers. He's like the only guy I can think of in the NFL that I'm like, because some of the guys, they go to like one double A schools or D2 schools. But I'm like, I've heard of those places. But I was like, I've never even heard of the four places that offered him a scholarship. I thought that was fun. Uh, fun little nugget for our viewers there. We'll move on to the next game here Tennessee and, Col- and uh, Cleveland. Um, Okay, so much to talk about this game. First off, model's high on both these teams. Is, is the model right or wrong, right? Well, of, of course, remember the old saying in statistics, all models are wrong, some models are useful. So let's keep that in mind. I'm not saying that the model's right about ranking Tennessee ninth and Cleveland 8th. I, I think it's a little bit high. We're trying to figure out the usefulness of the model, and it's done well on the whole. It, it's high on these two teams. We have to figure out why it's high on these two teams. You can kind of see a little bit on screen why Tennessee's pace is 24th, so it's going to bring those numbers down, those offensive defensive grades are pace adjusted. Um, but their defense, uh, uh, after adjusting for pace, ranks number three. Pass defense efficiency is number nine. Run defense efficiency, number three. So even aside from the pace, very good defense. Cleveland, also very good defense. Pass defensive efficiency ranks number one. Run defensive efficiency number 13. Their grades are higher because their pace ranks number one, according to my projections based off what we saw last year. And this year combined trying to project them going forward. So these two teams, the model is very high on them because of the defense. Um, if you have seen either one of these teams play this year, you know it's not because of the offense. Uh, Cleveland's offense gets that grade because of the pace. Uh, efficiency-wise, you know, they're not above average. And of course, 100 is average, according to my scaling. And, and we saw Deshaun Watson, the reason the model was very hesitant to like him from, from day one here was exactly what we saw on Monday night. You know, he gave that game away uh, with that, you know, whatever the heck you want to call it at the end of the game. The first pick six wasn't his fault as much. That was just bonkers weirdness. I, I, a double tipped pass <laughs> right before I pick six, but the, the back end of the game was rough. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson is better than some of the quarterbacks in this league for sure. But, but you know, he, he's not helping them a ton offensively. And the biggest issue is Nick Chubb. And again, player-based model Chubb's been removed uh, from the team. And that really hurts drops Cleveland's running back game down to number 32. I had Chubb as the number one running back um, according to the model. And that's not fantasy points. Fantasy points are a little bit different, right? You talk about receiving and that sort of stuff. And when I'm talking about value to the team, a little bit of pass blocking, right? Um, matters to the grade of a running back because he could help, you know, block for, for your quarterback, things like that. Nick Chubb, I had as the best running back in football. Um, losing him is a tremendous loss to Cleveland. And the model still has him number eight because they still can run block very well. So as bad as the model thinks Jerome Ford is, they still should have some holes uh, for him. And that defense is just, the model just loves this defense. Uh, even though they're playing at a faster pace, they're so efficient. I don't know what to make of these two teams. I think by the end of the season, we're going to look back. And my hunch is the model is probably going to be right on one of them, maybe half right on both of them. I'm not sure both of these teams. I'd be surprised if they finish top 10 uh, where the model has them right now. But again, we have to remember that these rankings are changing by the day based off injuries. The right guy or the wrong guy gets hurt. Things go up and down, right? The Jets are a prime example of that. Going from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson completely changes the forecast of that team. 
Um, you know, and, and every time we turn around, there's another injury like that, it seems like. So uh, all those caveats to say, this is a pretty toss-up-y type game. You give Cleveland a slight edge for playing at home, but otherwise, I have no idea what's going to happen. All about the price. Plus 135 is probably worth an investment. This is another C-plus grade. It doesn't quite get to B-grade value, but plus 135 for a Titans team that, you know, Tannehill can be decent enough. The Tennessee running game is pretty good. Their defense isn't that far behind Cleveland's either. Um, Titans may be worth a stab here. Jake, what do you got for us? Yeah. Can you tell me, do you have your defense broken down with the pass, ru- pass rush? I do not have pass rush and pass defense. I, I combine them into just pass yeah. defense overall. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I just I, – I think – you saw this because the Steelers' defense isn't that great all the way around, but the fact that they can get pressure on the quarterback really throws and, Sean Watson away. And you saw and that they did really well up front getting yeah. pressure on Watson, absolutely. And once Chubb went out, he looked lost, and I think you're going to see something very similar because they're coming on a short week, uh, trying to prepare, or at least they're at home, but trying to prepare for Derrick Henry is a monster in itself. Uh, that defense is going to be given all its – all it can handle with, with him and then the lightning with uh, Tasha Spears. That, and then if Tannehill plays like he did last week and not week one, this <laughs> offense can actually put up a little bit of points. Uh, but it's on the other side. I just don't know where Cleveland's going to go with the ball. Uh, Ford made that one run, which was fantastic. But, I mean, he really didn't do much after that. The offense as a whole didn't. Uh, anytime – Sean Watson had pressure and had to move. It seemed like he, he was lost and confused. When he after his suspension, he's just lost whatever whatever he had going in Texas. I don't know if it's the change in style of offense where he was more pass heavy in Texas versus the more run heavy in Cleveland. I don't know if that's the big difference, but he just doesn't look like the same guy. He doesn't look like he's even running the same. I just I don't think Cleveland's gonna be able to score enough to win this game. Yeah, and sideline had Cleveland sixth last week, so a little bit of a drop for them. Uh, other teams have had injuries too, so it's it's not like they're the only ones. But I'm a little surprised personally that the rating stayed this high. I really thought it would drop a little bit lower. Um, there's more to it than the rating, though. The you know the the, the problem with ratings, uh, ra- ratings versus rankings. The problem with rankings is if you think about running a race. If you just have who came in first, second, or third, you might miss did the guy in first win by a lot and then third was right close to second or was second right close to first, right? That sort of thing. And that's, I think, one of the things you're missing here that Cleveland was like on the verge, basically. of It was almost like a top six last week, according to the model. And now they've dropped a lot further. It hasn't shown up quite in the rankings as much yet. Uh, but make no doubt about it. They lose a lot with without chub in there it, it changes you're putting all the pressure on watson now who hasn't looked great doing it and when they had the lead against cincinnati things were fine um they never really had that comfortable lead against Pittsburgh, possibly because that weird play to start the game put them in a hole from the start and then they were never up by more than you know they were never by i believe seven or more it was always you know yes you know two three four that sort of thing it, it changes puts more pressure on him and i don't think that's a good thing necessarily it feels like a battle of defenses, low scoring type game. If there's points, it'll probably be because the pace of Cleveland really driving up the number of possessions, more possessions means someone's going to accidentally score uh, versus, you know, you can really kill the score of a game just by cutting the number of possessions, right? We talk about that with like Sam Houston in college football, right? Is, that's their, their whole shtick. So uh, it, it should be an interesting contest. We'll learn a lot, I think, about these two teams 
Cleveland with their new look since Chubb, it sounds like he's done for the year. We'll learn a lot about Tennessee as well, who's I think a fascinating story to talk about. Watching them in week one, you know, and I, and I told, and I mentioned this at the Discord as well, so I kind of gave them their this heads up on it, and, and someone else who was a Titans fan or looked into it has kind of agreed and mentioned about the, the comments from the coach that, you know, watching the week one, they just threw the ball way too much. They didn't run the ball very much and they kind of got out of their game and Tannehill's forcing passes and it just looked awkward. And it sounds like the coach acknowledged that uh, and, and things got back right here in this game, but that's a problem. that's at least fixable. Now you never know when the coach is going to just do the same thing or when the game plan goes awry, you just never know with those things, but they got two. I mean, they got one of the best running backs in football, obviously. And they got a guy who's insanely fast <laughs> in spears and you're getting those guys, the ball, you know, tosses handoffs screen passes and then you do some fakes to those guys and those wide receivers that weren't really open at all in week one because there was really no threat of a running game because they kind of abandoned it are now open and that allows Tannehill to look good and become that efficient passer and his grade on why he's so good isn't because he makes those sexy deep ball throws like a guy like Tua it's that he's efficient he doesn't make mistakes he finds the open guy that sort of thing he needs that running game to get going to do that. If not, he's not good enough. He's not skilled enough to make those plays to do the Patrick Mahomes type thing, right? He, he, his goodness and why the model likes him is he, he, he can take what's given to him and excel, but he's got to get those guys open. So what sort of game plan Tennessee employs against a really good Cleveland defense, I think is going to be fascinating too. So a lot will happen here and all that to say again, no idea what's going to happen. So plus 135 is worth a stab because if I don't know what's going to happen, give me those plus odds all day of the week. Watch it, enjoy it, get your popcorn out, and in a coin tossy type game, uh, plus 135 is going to build up for us in the long run. Oh, for sure. And I mean, what, Cleveland wins that game if their offense doesn't show up on Monday? Like, it's, it's just crazy to think about. But I just, like I said, I think if Henry gets rolling downhill, mm-hmm. then the play action happens and you have Traylon Burks who – isn't the greatest receiver, but you still have to respect his speed. And DeAndre Hopkins may be a step slower and not as good as he once was, but he's still probably top 20 in the league because the dude just catches everything. It can be a very deadly, deadly offense if if everything's going right. Uh, one last one on this, and I mentioned this earlier, but in case you didn't hear me say it, uh, viewer, pass defense efficiency for Cleveland, number one. According to sideline, rush defense efficiency number thirteen. I think that is un, is a reason why the Titans have a chance in this game yeah. because the weakness, if there is one, of the Cleveland defense is exactly what Tennessee should be trying to do, and uh, if they can pound the ball on the ground, have that sort of success, that keeps them in it. And it's not like Cleveland offensively, we think it's going to do a ton either. So that could be the difference in this game is that uh, Cleveland is set up to stop the pass. And they did that insanely well against the Bengals. And, you know, they did it well against the Steelers. How good of a passing offense do the Steelers have? Questionable. They only they allowed that one big play, that one broken play. Otherwise, they shut them down. Uh, different animal against Tennessee because Tennessee, again, hopefully not trying to pass or trying to run. And that's where maybe you can make some headway against this defense. That'll take us to Houston and Jacksonville. Again, um, you know, models not very high on Jacksonville. They were 26th last week. Now they're 27th. Uh, they did not look good against Kansas City. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're better than this. It, it, the thing about about Jacksonville is 
when you look at their players, Trevor Lawrence is decent enough as a quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's in that that chunk of quarterbacks where it's hard to say, is he better than Tua? Is he better than Mac Jones? Is he better than a Jared Goff? All those guys are, you know, a Geno, a Stafford, a all the who I mean, they're all decent. They're all decent quarterbacks. They're all much better than that rookie quarterback crop, right? All those first and second year quarterbacks are terrible. <laughs> like they're all like, and they might be good one day, but for now they're all like terrible, right? Um, so you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is a solid quarterback, but when you get past that, as much as Calvin really looked great in Week One uh, against the Kansas City defense that has like one really good player, didn't look very good, and there's a reason why. Uh, even with him, the Jaguars wide receiver tight end grouping ranks 18th. Um, Etienne's a good back. Now he's questionable and that kind of matters as well, but you know, good there, but I'm not a fan of this Jaguars offensive line. And that's, I think what people miss when we've had that group think we talked about at the start of the show where you're hearing these talking heads. If you're just talking about Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley, uh, got good tight end as well. Um, and, and Etienne, you can talk yourself into this being a good offense. Their offensive line, I think is terrible. And, and, the chiefs being able to dominate them on the front, you know, front seven or whatever. I think that matters, right? So the, the model's not very high on their offensive line defensively for Jacksonville ninth against the runs. They can stop the run a little bit 23rd against the pass, not a terrible defense. Uh, they're a little bit faster than average. So that drops. It's not the defense. that's the problem. It's that I just, the offensive line matters. And I think that's going to be the, the thing that bites them this season. The Texans, on the other hand, are only 30th because Carolina and Arizona are just terrible. That's the only reason the Texans are 30th, because the Texans aren't good by any stretch of the imagination. And I think they are, other than those two teams, they're the clear next worst team. The Texans showed a pretty good ability, though, last week to play hard late and score late. And that matters in covering a big number. That's what we're going to go for here is just try to cover a big number in nine and a half. Jake, there's three ways that the Texans can win this bet. And that's what I like about it. number one, they might win the game. How likely is it they win? According to the model, 37%. Not overly likely. Um, home field advantage doesn't matter a ton in the NFL anymore. It, 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 it's a small amount. Uh, Jaguars are the better team, mainly because Texans aren't very good. But weird things happen in football, right? There's there's a, one or two results every week that we're confused about. Texans could win this game. Bet. Not likely. They could hang around in an ugly game and just cover this number or they could get a backdoor cover because they're clearly able to throw the ball relatively well against prevent defenses and score. And Hey, if we're down 14 late in this game, we got a shot <laughs> to win this. So three ways we can win this a great value on the Texans, not because I think the Texans are good. There's just a lot of ways we could win a number this big. Uh, talk about, you know, we're going to lay a number when it's the right call. Like we think it is with the Niners. We're going to take a big number here. doesn't mean the Texans can't lose by 10 or 14 or something like that. And they aren't good. I'm not trying to say they are. This is also more a play against the Jaguars. I think there's value fading them because I think that offensive line, being so suspect is going to prevent their stars from doing what you would hope they would do. And that might prevent them from running away with this game. Uh, Jake Texans plus nine and a half, a grade. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we nailed it there at the end. I think the backdoor cover is going to be really alive here. Cause I mean, they're, they're trying to get as much experience let, uh, and confidence in Shroud as possible. They're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to play all the way through the, through the last buzzer. And, 
margin of victory really doesn't matter in the NFL whatsoever. So Jacksonville's going to be more than happy to let them throw it around at the end and yep. score. Because the Jaguars number. escape with a win. Who who cares? We're two and one. Move on to the next week, right? Yep. One step yeah, closer to winning the division. Two and one and two and zero in the division. They're 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 yep. be more than happy with that. Uh, yep. I think they've got a decent running back in uh, Pierce. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got a I think running Houston's back crew ranks tenth according to the model. Yeah, and a, got a decent offensive line. Maybe not great, but I don't think this Jacksonville defense is one to really have to worry about. Uh, and I think the line is something that Trevor Lawrence has to run about. I just think this Jacksonville offense at the skill positions is sexy, right? With Trevor Lawrence and his flowing long hair and the college connection with it's a good looking man. <laughs> and, is, and, and I mean, Calvin Ridley coming back and that mm-hmm. big week one and Zay Jones and mm-hmm. uh, the tight end. His name escapes me. Ingram. Ingram, yep. I mean, they, they look good, but man, uh, Lawrence has to run for his life. They can't really get a running game going because the line's not stopping anybody. I, I just, I think the backdoor coverage is going to be alive here. Or I think Houston might stay around longer than mm-hmm. what most people think. If Etienne doesn't play, the Texans might win this game. That is going to be huge. And the reason I say that, the Texans are bad on defense against the run. Uh, they rate twenty. They grade out twenty seventh best, which is seventh or sixth worst. Tenth uh, against the pass. So if you take away Etienne, who was who's a fantastic running back, and and now you get to a they can't really run block very well because Etienne's kind of doing it all himself basically you know, uh, out there. It's not like he's getting a ton of help. You take him out, the run game can't get going. The Texans are decent against the pass. This game's going to get uglied up, and they're going to be in this game. If ATM plays, that's, you know, a tougher thing. But the good thing is, is if ATM plays and he's a lot of that offense, that's going to tick, tick, tick that clock and minimize the number of possessions, which helps us cover a big number. So, again, it's kind of a either way we're okay. There's just a lot of ways that we can get to the win on this one. There's no locks in gambling, of course, but uh, there's just a lot of ways we can, we can win on such a big number. Uh, given the issues that Jacksonville has, if Etienne's perfectly healthy, that offensive line was a little bit better. You're talking about probably a whole hum 17 point win, but there's just enough question marks that model says three and a half. That's probably a little bit low, but I would say on average, you're talking about this probably should be more like six than nine and a half. Uh, I, I think that it, it, you know it's not like you know home field matters that much in the NFL, and especially no offense to anybody in Jacksonville, but it's not like they're known for having you know the same home field edge that you might have in a place like say New Orleans, right? Or Kansas City or something. That's Kansas, Kansas City, no choice. Yes, absolutely. Uh, moving on, Buffalo and Washington. Jake, we haven't talked a lot of totals, uh, except we're apparently just going to do this one every week. Uh, Washington over. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. And, and there's a couple reasons why. Their pace, according to the model, ranks 12th. Um, when you look at the offensive grades there in defense, it's, it's that they're run-of-the-mill average. I think this over is less about Washington and more about Buffalo, who has a really good defense. So I want to make sure everyone catches that. Pace-adjusted defense is a 105. That's below average. And what that means is I expect Buffalo, on average, to allow more points per game on average than other teams. That doesn't mean their defense isn't good. I have their pace at number six. Their defense is pretty solid against the pass, ranked number six. Against the run, only 21st. That's not a bad defense. It's just when you combine that with the pace, 
they're going to give up some points. Their offense is insanely good, and you combine that with the pace, and they're going to put up some points. So this is, again, I think a little bit less about Washington uh, and more about Buffalo. Model says 28-21 is about what we'd expect. Whether it's 28-21, whether it's 31-21, 27-20, there's a lot of those scores in there that seem very reasonable. We expect a decent number of possessions, a lot of scoring from Buffalo, over 44, 44 being the key number in the NFL. I cannot believe that this is not 45 and a half. The fact that it's 44 blows my mind. Models is an average of 49.2 points. Uh, Jake, we didn't quite get Washington's over week one. Felt like we should have tons of field goals. Uh, at the end of the game, could have kicked the field goal, would have got it for us. Didn't quite get there. Got the Washington over easy last week. Let's see if we can make it two out of three. What do you say? Yeah, I, th- I think um, like everybody knows about the Buffalo's offense and Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. I think Cook is a real X factor there. When he gets going as fast as he is, that offense can really hum. Um, and against a very average Washington defense, they're going to be able to put up points. I can very easily see them getting the 30, 30 plus in this one. And look, I've talked about it week one. I've talked about it week two. Sam Howell is better than we give him credit for. He's making some good throws. He's got two really good receivers and Terry McLaurin and John Dodson. Uh, and then, I mean, Ryan Robinson Jr. looks like he's going to be a good back. Antonio Gibson is solid too. They've got enough weapons on offense that I think they'll get one or two. And especially with the way Allen plays, there's a good chance for a turnover or a dumb sack. He can be reckless. Yeah, yeah, a little bit reckless, a little bit of field position, get some extra points for Washington. Uh, And I think they're in the same boat as – as Houston is, where they're going to try to get Hal as many throws out there this year as possible to really see what they've got. So I think extra points in the garbage time is going to be good. I think over 44 is a no-brainer. Yeah, and and, and like I said, the the Eagles and the Cowboys, at least right now, look to be two of the top five teams in football. I think I've got them first and third. And I think last week the Cowboys were first. Uh, Week one, and now I think the Eagles are first. Uh, They're just going to be jostling because of injuries and who's questionable and whatnot, that sort of thing. Um, But it's all going to be jostling around. You got to – Washington knows they ain't going to win the division, right? That's not going to happen. They have an outside shot at the playoffs. I'm ranked 17th. You know, if things break their way, they could make the playoffs. So it's it's not so much that it's a lost season for them. But uh, I think you're I think you're right, uh, Sam Howell. I think, and I, I just eyeballing it here, I have him, I believe, as the best of the young quarterbacks uh, of that group. I have him still. You know, pretty far behind most of the established guys, but of the even the guys like Jordan Love, uh, you know, those sort of guys like that, and obviously the, um, you know, the the uh, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Ritter, Bryce Young, all those guys like that. He, he's clearly ahead of those guys, so I think he's he's the the leader of that crew for now, which makes sense. We saw what he did in North Carolina was uh, fantastic, and so yeah, good enough. Um, you know, to not you have a little bit of fear when you take it over. If you've got a guy like Bryce Young, we'll we'll, we'll talk about the Panthers and, and and their issues later. But you know, yeah, it's like that. If you're playing the over, you, you can't feel great because even if it's garbage time, you're like, I don't know if they can do anything, right? But Sam Howell's good enough. It's Washington's offense good enough that even in garbage time, they got a chance to put up some points in case we're needing that late score. I don't think we are. I think we're going to get this. You know. Late third quarter, uh, if I had to guess, I, I just don't know why this number is so low. Uh, Buffalo's been running and gunning, and like you said, they've got 
just such a good offense. Uh, you talked about James Cook, uh, Latavius Murray, and Damian Harris all grayed out really well, according to the model. That is a three-headed beast at running back model. Uh, loves them and grades them out. Um, overall, according to all running back groupings, as the second-best uh, running back duo slash trio in, in the NFL. And, of course, Josh Allen is one of the top three quarterbacks. I've got him number one. Uh, the difference between Allen Burrow and Mahomes is rounding here. All three are clearly better than everybody else but i mean you got a top one of the top quarterbacks maybe the top quarterback you got number two for running back and um you know number seven for wide receiver tight ends number four pass blocking they struggle a little bit run blocking but they're made up for that with all the talent back there uh, this offense just rocks and rolls they play fast it just leads to a lot of points I, it, again why this number's at 44 on such a key number blows my mind but let's take advantage of it a great pick the a great total has been doing really well hopefully that keeps on going speaking of Carolina. Um, look, I'm sure that all those guys on Carolina are really nice people. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, you know, Bryce Young, I, he might be a very nice young man. Um, I have him ranked 63rd and I only grade out the two deep on quarterbacks, which is 64 quarterbacks. That's not good. Um, but here's the thing is it's it's not just him. <laughs> Their pass blocking ranks 27th, and uh, they were – he was just running for his life, it seemed like, against the Saints here on Monday night in a game that was just an abomination to football. It, it kind of made me feel like we need to contract two teams and go back to 30 um, with that one. He doesn't have a lot of guys getting open. Uh, wide receivers and tight ends are ranked number 20, and that even seems generous based off what we saw against the Saints. The Saints have a decent defense for sure, but – it looked like he, he he couldn't get any time to throw. The receivers weren't getting open whatsoever. And on top of that, he wasn't doing well when he had a chance anyway. I mean, it was just a disaster of an offense. Their defense isn't really much better. I think it looked better because the Saints have their own offensive issues. Uh, but Carolina, by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin chin ranks, as you can see on screen, number 32. They're actually worse than Arizona right now. And that kind of blows my mind given how far ahead of everybody else Arizona was to start the season. Um, the Colts flirted with them in week one without uh, Moss running back. And of course, now that he's back, they've jumped back up to respectable because, and you saw what a difference he made uh, for them having just anything at running back because week one they had just nothing down the third string and fourth string guys who were terrible. Uh, but Carolina, I, 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 I think that was a one week aberration for Indianapolis to be that bad. Um, I don't think it's an aberration for Carolina. I think I think we're talking about a bottom two team all season. Them in Arizona and Arizona once they get Kyler Murray back will leapfrog them and it'll just be poor Carolina by themselves. They look terrible. Model says they have a twenty two percent chance of winning. I don't know. That feels a little high personally. Like I, if they play this game five times, I don't really think Carolina wins one of them. I mean, how many times do they have to play this game before Carolina wins? And not that Seattle's great. Uh, I've only got them ranked number twenty. I think Seattle's just decent. But, I mean, how many times do they have to play in Seattle? Again, one of those places that does notoriously have a pretty good home for the edge. How many times do they have to play this for Carolina to win? I'm thinking 10, 15 before they actually win a game. It just doesn't seem likely. Well, the Seahawks are at minus 255. Just ekes into B-grade territory. Um, we talked a lot about Carolina. Not much to say about Seattle. Just run-of-the-mill ho-hum. Geno Smith's decent enough. Had a good year last year. Uh, kind of more towards the top of that tier of quarterbacks that I mentioned, kind of between 10 and 30 or so, that are or 10 and 25 or so, that are just – they're all solid. Um, he's kind of towards the top of that. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's just nothing really special about any of this 
Seattle team, they're just kind of okay. Their defense is probably worse than that rating. Their pace is pretty slow. And, and so their defense isn't that good. Otherwise, they're just ho-hum, and they should be able to take care of a really bad Carolina team and a game that, oh my goodness, don't watch this unless someone is paying you to do so because it's going to be terrible. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, this is definitely a fantasy game, right? You're, you're hoping lock, lock it, lock it, or DK takes one deep. If you've got one of those, or Kenneth Walker, yeah. you're, you're thinking you're looking at him. There's nobody on Carolina's side you're looking at. I mean, maybe Thielen, maybe because he just seems to be the king of putting up putting up a little random touchdown here or there. But I don't see it really happening. Seattle team at home, very, very good, very, very good. Uh, on the road, eh. Juno Smith, as long as he's able to make the right decisions, and which he looked a lot better in week two, and Kenneth Walker being able to run the ball, they're going to be take a lot of pressure off their defense. That's very eh, because they can yeah. just eat up all the clock, especially in this game. I think Seattle's going to be one of those teams they're going to beat teams that they should beat and always and lose to teams they should lose to. They're never going to surprise you. You know exactly about where they're at, and that's just their role this year. Yeah, Seattle made us look real smart last week uh, as we got a big plus, you know, 210 uh, odds yeah. on them. And the odds came down throughout the week, but it was still pretty good value on the Seahawks there. I think you're right. I think they're just run of the mill. Uh, and, and honestly, I love I love teams like that. I love teams that you know what you're going to get from. You, you feel yeah. confident about, you know, smaller confidence intervals, you know, narrower, com- you know, air bars, right, is more fun for us as sports betters than the teams that you don't know what you're going to get. But the, the, the weakness of the Seattle team is their defense passing uh, defense efficiency, number 22 run defense efficiency, number 28, but this Carolina team isn't going to be the one to take advantage of that. And so that's the thing where, like you said, a good offense uh, is going to be able to put points up on them and, and force them to score with you. And if you're good enough, like you said, that's going to be a recipe. You can beat Seattle because they won't be able to score with you. And if not, then they'll be able to score. But, the, but Carolina just isn't, doesn't likely to be that. Maybe we get one of those again. According to the model, one out of five times that Carolina wins again. I feel like more like one out of ten. Maybe we get one of those weird cases. But uh, Seattle here, a little bit of a price, but uh, not that steep here at two fifty five. I think is pretty strong uh, play. Again, remember if you are not familiar with the scaling that we do here to the very intro where we get the music. I outline this that the risk plus win amount adds up to a certain amount, and that helps us play bigger favorites more than flat betting. Flat betting is great if everything that you play is between minus 130 and plus 130. If not, what you're going to have happen with flat betting, and some of you know this, what you're going to happen is when you play underdogs, you're going to be boom or bust. And if they hit, you're going to be great. If they don't, you're going to lose all your money really fast. If you play favorites, you're going to be boom or bust. If they're winning, you're going to go great. And if you lose one too many, you're going to lose all your bankroll. This minimizes that by doing this scaling system and allows us to play some of these bigger favorites or bigger dogs. And so uh, that's why even though minus 255 is pretty big, I think it's still worth the play here <clears throat> and something that you can you can utilize using that scaling uh, that I like here. So we're on the Seahawks in the late afternoon time slot, which takes us to Sunday night, uh, Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. I feel like Las Vegas is another kind of one of those ho-hum teams. There's just not a lot great to talk about. Their defense also not very good. Uh, their pace even slower. Uh, they've set up to be the slow, or look like maybe the slowest team in football. So that helps their defense grade out because their pace is just so dang slow. But otherwise, offensively, you know, they've got some guys that can throw the ball too. They grade out okay at all the position groups. Garoppolo's fine enough. It's just, uh, you know, by going so slow, they're not going to score a lot of points. Uh, but they they definitely seem to be a team that um, 
the pace flips from what you'd expect. Pretty good offense, uh, pretty bad defense, but the pace balances that out. But otherwise, just run of the mill. I've got them at 18. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, I've got it at 28. I know they won Monday, but that was insanely fluky. I don't think this Pittsburgh team is very good right now with all the injuries that they've got. In general, I think this team is probably better um, by a decent amount, but they've got just so many key injuries right now. They kind of fall to the bottom. Once they're healthy, they get healthy later on in the season. Maybe things will be different, but right now uh, you can't be overly excited about their defense, which has now fallen more towards the, you know, middle bottom of the pack because of some of their injuries. And then uh, offensively, we talked about it last week, you know, losing Johnson really hurts them. Their wide receivers grade out now number 29. Kenny Pickett uh, grades out as the 32nd best quarterback. That's not at a 32. That's at a 64. There are some backups that I definitely think are better than Kenny Pickett. And, I, and I'd rather have Kenny Pickett than Bryce Young, but um, he's still not done a great job. Uh, for when I'm not overly optimistic about him. The running game offensive line doesn't grade out well. They're just banged up and in trouble. Las Vegas at minus 137. Uh, B grade, just a, a lot of value here. I think on a team that's 64% likely to win. Um, you know, I, I don't quite know where we're getting such a good price. A grade price would be minus 119, so we're almost 20 cents away from that. But to me, uh, I'm surprised we're getting such value on the Sunday night game. Usually I feel like the Sunday night game is researched a little bit more and that there's not quite as much value. Seems to be a lot of value on this one. I don't know if it's because of Pittsburgh, what happened last week, or coming off of, I guess now yesterday against Cleveland or what, but I'm just not sold on this Pittsburgh team. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, that defense, like, they can rush the passer very well. I mean, anybody could if you put TJ Watt on their team. He's very, very good. That's true. Um, but, man, I that offense, ooh, that's, they're rough. The line does Pick it, no favors. Najee Harris yeah. and the running backs do them no does him no favors, and then take out his top weapon. And like I think Pickens is a stud, but I don't know that it's, he's. he's, it's, I, he's I, I, I don't know that he's a number one receiver guy. Like I think with all the attentions on him, I don't think he's going to do near as well. Um, but there's nobody really beside him to help out with here. It's just, I mean, Vermouth has not been great this year. I don't know if that's him, I don't know, or the offense, but you would think a tight end would have been an easy outlet. He's just neither not getting open or so I don't I don't really know there. I just don't think they're going to get the same mistakes that Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns mm. made yeah. from Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he's not the greatest talent in the world, but he seems to not, not make stupid plays, and that's probably thanks to coming up with Bill Belichick. Uh, I mean, he's got – some decent receivers. He's got a good running back in Josh Jacobs if they can get him going. Mm-hmm. Uh, very rusty early on in the season. Yep. Very rusty. But, yeah. yes, a guy who who has the talent if he can figure it out. Yeah. So, I just – I think the Raiders are a very good play here, especially on, like, short week for Pittsburgh. I mean, I know it's not so much since they're going from Sunday night. It's not that big of a deal. But uh, I, I think that's just going to be plenty of time for the Raiders to take advantage of this. And, and you mentioned the wide receivers for Pitt. The model is very confused as to who it likes more between Allen Robinson, the second, Calvin Austin, the third, and Miles Boykin, I guess the first. Uh, we're taking this theme. But all three of those guys just run-of-the-mill meh receivers and none of them able, right now at least, looking like great threats. Now, that doesn't mean they can't change as the season goes along, but they're going to need one 
maybe two of those guys to really step forward uh, and fill the gap left by Deontay Johnson because he was their number one receiver. Um, he was the go-to guy, and without him, the pass game just looks kind of anemic. And, and, and again, you combine that with the line hasn't looked good. The running back situation, you know, grades out in the bottom third as well. And on top of that, like I said, I don't think Kenny Pickett's great. Kenny Pickett is the guy who's – He's one of those guys that's in between that mix of quarterbacks that I said between like 10 and 25 that are all kind of okay, good quarterbacks. He's not as bad as those rookies, but he's in between the two where it's like, yeah, he's better than, you know, Desmond Ritter. He's better than CJ Stroud. He's better than, you know, that sort of thing, but he's not as good as a guy like Garoppolo, et cetera, et cetera, on the, in that middle group. And so when you combine a slightly weaker quarterback with you lost your number one receiver, no one's really stepped up to fill that void. Uh, not a great running game, not a great offensive line. It's a recipe to not score a lot of points. Um, I, I will say, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, your hope is you played a Cleveland defense that might be one of the top five defenses in football this year. And you played a 49ers defense that might be one of the top five defenses in the, in the league this year. And this Las Vegas defense is not that good. They're, they're great out better on a pace adjusted basis. They're not going to have points if they're playing, if they keep playing just as freakishly slow as they're going, uh, but they're not, they're not that good. That's your hope. Uh, I think the problem is, and the reason we have this model is to help us to discern, was it just the defenses or was it the offense too? And I think the answer is it's a lot of the offense as well uh, for Pittsburgh. And those problems, I, I think, uh, are magnified against those better defenses, but I still think they're going to exist against Las Vegas. A Las Vegas team that uh, has enough offensive weapons that, yeah, as long as they can just, you know, not get TJ Wadded, right, then they should be able to score, uh, especially at home. Obviously, though, he, he's he's a, a game changer, but, yeah. um, you know, I think this Las Vegas offense also a lot better than Cleveland once Chubb went down. They've just got more weapons. Again, assuming we, we have faith that Jacobs will get going, uh, despite his incredibly slow start. So minus 137 for Las Vegas, be a great pick for us there. Which takes us to the two Monday night games. Uh, hopefully, they are better than what happened in the two Monday night games in week two. They can't be much worse because of how just disastrous those games were. Um, first one's Philly at Tampa. Philly, according to the model, barely number one, talked about that earlier. Uh, fairly fast. Tampa Bay also fairly fast. Expecting a lot of points in this game. Uh, but in reality, I just think Tampa Bay is going to be overmatched. Baker Mayfield uh, profiles kind of similar to the Kenny Pickett, you know, uh, can have a good game, but overall definitely weaker than most of your solid run-of-the-mill quarterbacks. Model's not very high on him. Um, you know, you've got a Tampa Bay defense that grades out relatively well against the pass, not as much against the run. And of course, Philly loves to pass it, but they've also got the number one run blocking unit, according to sideline hurts being able to use his feet there's just so many ways this offense can beat you so it doesn't really matter what you're good at stopping the seagulls offense can figure out a way to attack you and make you pay um almost like the bill belichick kind of thing right they've just got so many weapons that they can it doesn't matter what you try they're going to exploit your weaknesses one way or the other tampa bay i'm just not very high on models as the eagles win 77 percent of the time so minus 240 gets us b grade value uh jake what's your take on this one yeah, I just think they're the class of the league come offense. Like, it's unreal. You went from throwing the ball all over week one to DeAndre Swift, who probably very average running back, looked like a god 
in week two. Uh, That's what happens when you have the number one ranked run blocking yeah. unit with you. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just like, the, okay, so you want to take the pass away, we're just going to hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift, and then you can't, and yep. then you hit, get a deep shot to either A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. Yeah. It's just it's just not fair. Tim Bay's defense is not going to be good. You can't you can't spy Hurts no. because if you do, you're taking one more guy away to defend the pass. But if you don't spy him, then he can run all over you, right? It's like it's just, it's just they, they've got so many weapons. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, they are very very good. I've been impressed with Baker, but I think like you're comparing Kenny Pickett and him. I think the difference is you have guys like Mike Evans and Godwin mm-hmm. out there that really make a difference. Uh, their run game has not been as good as I thought this year. Uh, I thought White was going to come in. Mate. He showed some flashes uh, last week, but Philly's defense is good. Like mm-hmm. they're they're very good. They can get after you. Get after the quarterback. They can guard. They Darius Slay is a great corner. I just don't see where Tampa's going to be able to do much here. I think there's going to be a lot of points because I think Philadelphia's going to do most of the scoring and they're going to be able to do whatever they want. Tampa will score once or twice, and I think it'll, but it's not going to be enough. It's going to be mainly in garbage time. You've got, uh, you talked about Tampa running game, 28th ranked set of running backs, 31st ranked run blocking. So, yeah, not a lot happening there uh, running the ball. Not really, you know, pretty balanced defense for Philly, pretty solid on both sides, whether it's or both both uh, methods, whether it's passing or running. But, uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing here is it's just going to be – this is not the defense to stop the Eagles. It's really hard to stop them in general, but you have to be a top-notch unit, and the Tampa Bay defense isn't that. I'm really curious to see Philly if they actually go out there and have a week where they just open up a can. This feels like maybe it's it playing on Monday night. Here, the first game, they looked great to start off with, but that weather got weird. It's also really hard to coach against Bill Belichick and to play against Bill Belichick. We've talked about it, right? You know, whatever you think of the guy, um, you know, he's he's just a genius coach, and he makes it tough. He always tries to he, – he's going to make you earn it. And the teams that beat the, the Patriots earn it, right? And you saw what they did against the, the Dolphins right here on uh, on Sunday night more or less and how they've always just been able to take Tyreek Hill basically out of his game and say something else is going to beat us. And so if you beat them, you've earned it. You've, you can't just go, you can't just go to autopilot. Right. And then there was the weather in that game for the Eagles. So it's like, that was a wonky game. Then you play on Thursday and we, we covered that game, right? Thursday games are always wonky. They're always a little bit, you know, like you said, everything gets amplified because it's this vanilla game package. So if you're better than the other team and everything, and they don't have time to prep, you're probably going to kill them, and it's probably going to be a boring game. If you if it's two defensive teams, it's going to be real ugly and low scoring. That one we were like, hey, there's two good offenses, but you know, it's just Thursday's different. We haven't yet seen Philly just look like the team this year, and I think they might be, but I have a good excuse for them in the first two games. This one's one where I'm really expecting that effort. I'm not saying you should lay the points or not. Football gets weird. We're, we're stick with money lines, but if you were to lay some points, this one seems like one maybe where it's worth doing it because – this seems like the time for the Eagles to demonstrate to everybody that they are that team in the NFL, right? We know you're playing 17 games. You're not going to look like the Super Bowl champion, all 17 regular season games. Some of those games, you just got to go out there and get the job done. But we know that the true Super Bowl contenders, uh, other than the ones who just kind of get healthy and hot at the right time, tend to look like the world champions, you know, in a third to half of those games, they just dominate. 
First two wins, I can tell you why they didn't dominate. This one, this is the time here, extra time to game plan, extra time to get healthy. They had a bunch of guys on the defense, questionable now, right? That sort of thing. All that extra time, this is the time for them to dominate and show us that they are one of the top teams in football. They are a true Super Bowl contender again. We all think they are, uh, and it seems like this is the time for them to show it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but it just feels like the Eagles, you know, this is their time to shine, really. Yeah, I kind of expected AJ Brown game here. We haven't seen one yet. He's not. He's been relatively quiet. I expect him to kind of go to him a little bit, get him involved. And if that happens, that means Devontae Smith's also going to get involved, and it's just going to be terrible for Tampa Bay. Yeah, and like you said, you start running too far backward to worry about those guys. And Swift is, like you said, decent enough with that running game. There'll be holes all over the field, and he'll be he'll be able to get five yards past the line of scrimmage before anybody could even touch him. <laughs> right. And that makes you yeah. look like you so good. So yeah, it's just uh, an embarrassment of riches there, uh, which takes to the uh, nightcap of the two games Rams at the Bengals, a game where uh, the Bengals, another one of those teams, Owen two did not expect that the Rams, you know, what do we make of the Rams, right? Cooper cup out. It's a massive loss. Now, all of a sudden, what exactly is happening with Cam Akers? I, I don't like. I think he's won a trade. Like, he came in asking for a trade last year, and, and now he seems to be going that way. Why is he playing week one? And then apparently this happens. He's not playing week two. Like, uh, was it a genius move to say, uh, let's let them both play? And I, cause I think the backup got. Um, you know, about as many touches in week one. Oh, we think he's good so we can go with him. And then I, I it's just a weird situation, I guess is all I'm trying to say. Like, I, you know, I could, I could read the same things, but it's just, it's weird. And because usually you see what happened with Jonathan Taylor or, um, you know, Jones for, for Kansas City, right? Those are the type, Chris Jones, those are the things that you're used to happening. This one after week one was like, wait, what? Like, um, they've obviously got a lot of talent. Stafford looks pretty good again through a couple picks uh last week against the Niners though who again we talked about one of the top teams you know the injuries and again Cooper Cup because as good as Nakua has been you still want Cooper Cup out there right has them ranked 23rd right now they're a team that's good enough and has enough talent to be a playoff contender but if Cup misses enough time they're going to end up being with another lost season. And I think frustratingly, another uh, another lost season for Matthew Stafford, who, uh, you know, is towards the end of his career now. He only has so many good seasons left. And I don't know how many. I don't see him pulling a Tom Brady and playing until he's, you know, on Social Security, right? Um, maybe he does. <laughs> um, and so if you're, if you're a Rams fan, it's got to be kind of frustrating because they're good enough, but yet right now the product put on the field probably isn't. Uh, they're good enough to hang around, but you know I don't know if they're going to get over the hump there with with who they've got on the field. But the Bengals are not in a different drastically from both. If, if, if being in fear of falling to zero three, we talked about that earlier. Zero three thing, right? Not ideal. Uh, Burrow now is questionable. Um, you know, apparently with a, 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 a calf issue again or, or or whatnot. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's listed as questionable as much as it is. We just don't know if that's going to affect him. We don't know if that's affecting his performance. Uh, we know without him playing in the preseason, maybe that made him a little rusty, but he hasn't looked great. I mean, that's so, so I'm, I'm using questionable, not in the literal term as much as I'm just saying, you got to be concerned about that. Um, a Bengals team that we expect to be a lot better ranks 11th 
according to the model right now, which is just shockingly low. Um, I don't know. The, the the talent seems to be there for the Bengals, but but for both of these teams, really. But for one reason or another, it just hasn't looked great for either one of them. Someone's got to win this one. Model thinks the Bengals are 71% likely to win this. Model is saying um, the Rams issues are hurting them a little bit more than the Bengals issues are. Bengals at home, extremely likely to win. Minus 135 is an A grade. Uh, Jake, what's your take here on the uh, finale of week three? Look, I mean, the Bengals did it last year, went 0 2, and they went on a ridiculous run. I don't know if they're going to go on that same run, but I think we kind of saw it in the second half of that game. Joe Burrow kind of finding a little bit of a groove there with T. Higgins. You know, they're going to get Jamar Chase here. I just don't think that the Rams have the defense to get in the way of this offense. And, like, I guess the biggest difference I'm, I'm seeing with Nakua and Cup is Cup takes houses some of those. Nakua doesn't seem to be able to do that. And mm. I think that that really helped or hurts their offense because Cup just made plays. And that's not a knock mm. on Nakua. Yeah. That's just no. Cup is a, a Well, everyone, I think everyone knows that Cooper Cup is the most valuable yeah. wide receiver in football at this point, just the things he does. Yeah, you know, you know. So it's, it's. I don't think anyone's gonna hear that and think you're insulting Nakua as good as he's been, right? It's just it's yeah. Cooper Cups in a class of his own, basically, as a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. And then the whole running back, you know, that's a weird situation. And the whole Facebook thing that Matthew Stafford had to do to learn his like players' faces, he had to have a book like that, that's like that's just a weird. Like there's just a lot of weird things happening out there in LA. Uh, but I mean, they're a solid team. I just don't. I think this Bengals team is gonna get clicking here and Joe Mixon kind of looks interested and involved. And I think once Jamar Chase gets rolling with his offense, I think you're going to see a team that looks similar to what the one did last year. And you point out this Rams defense grades out 12th against the run. grades out 29th against the pass. And so that's going to be the thing. The Bengals, of course, you know, have weapons everywhere, but as we all know, they're, they're built to pass. They grade out better pass blocking than, than run blocking their wide receiver tight end group grades out better than their running back group. And obviously with Joe Burrow there, if he can get going and eventually he will, it's just what's exactly going on with his health, with his, you know, with his rust, that sort of thing. That's the big question. But if they get that passing game going, the Rams are not built to stop the pass. And so that is going to be the difference maker for this one is that um you know the Bengals might not have a lot of good time running the ball uh based off of the matchup but that's not uh gonna you know if you're a Bengals fan you're saying that's fine that's not our game plan right it's just you gotta get that offense going and and like maybe you're right maybe you know t higgins of course had a fantastic game uh i believe you know that all too, i guess i know that all too well since you and i played each other in fantasy um, I know that yeah. all too well as well. That was a, very frustrating to see his points continue to rise like that um, in our <laughs> fantasy matchup. But uh, yeah, this this Rams defense, and the defense probably not quite as bad as that great again. Their pace ranks really high as well. But again, not good against the pass, and that's the biggest thing here that the Bengals should be able to take advantage of. Um, extra day of rest might come into play as well. That could always help just uh, healing everything up, given uh, – Again, whatever's going on with Burrow. Uh, so Bengals minus 135, A grade wraps us up. And that is our show, Jake. Do you have any parting words for the viewer here for week three NFL? I know just that I'm happy to be 2-0 in our league. And with the most points scored, I look like I'm going to clean it up, and I love it. I, I feel like I have nothing to say, which uh, which just means we should go to the outro music. So we'll uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap up with that. <laughs> 